Hello and welcome to the Film Classification Podcast from the BBFC. You want answers! I want the truth! You can't handle the truth! I've got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to podcast number 18 from the British Board of Film Classification. My name is James Blatch. Normally we have a co-host who I introduce at this stage, but not this edition because, well, as you may have noticed, we have launched our new guidelines. We do that every five years or so. There's been quite a multitude of press coverage. Um, Newspapers and TVs and radio have been busy with it. And so this is going to be a bit of a special. We're going to delve a bit uh, deeper into the new guidelines in an interview with uh, Dave Austin, who's assistant director here. And uh, that will take up the bulk of the uh, the podcast. So we're not going to be doing a special subject or so on this week. It will be about the new guidelines. Nonetheless, where would we be without our news items and the stuff that's caught our eye over the past few weeks. I hope you all had a good Christmas and you're having a happy new year, by the way, I should say. Um, Now, what has caught our eye from a film point of view? I noticed uh, on uh, one of the channels, actually an Australian interview with a Netflix chief, a man called Neil Hunt, who's the chief product officer for Netflix. And he was talking about uh, a subject that, that is interesting if you're charting the decline of physical media dvd and blu-ray etc courses of interest to us in this building here at soho square and he was saying that on their service netflix obviously is a streaming service they are not interested in extras dvd extras blu-ray extras they're not interested in uh, the alternate cuts of films he was said that these are for a niche audience that wasn't cost effective for them to chase a niche audience which uh, made me think that there probably was still some life in the old physical media then so for people like uh, me I might say probably most of the people in this building a lot of the people around here in Soho who do like pouring over the uh, the extras and the director's commentaries in particular um, that there will always be a need for somewhere somehow for those extras to still be distributed maybe it won't be physical media but it's interesting that the Netflix guy who was asked directly about that came up with that uh, answer. Having said all of that, I've just finished watching Breaking Bad on Netflix, and the first thing I did was watch a series of extras called Talking Bad, which is taken from the cable channel in the States. And Netflix clearly do do some of those extras, but uh, there you go. Uh, What else caught my eye? UAE sensor has cut out a whopping 45 minutes from the Wolf of Wall Street. So every now and again, somebody says, particularly from the industry, that can't there be one set of regulations? It's now a joined up world with the internet. Why does each country have to have its own set of rules and regulations? Well, there's a good example. How would that work? The UAE cutting 45 minutes. We know The Wolf of Wall Street is a, um, should we say, a fairly profane uh, film. It's getting a, it's getting a bit of press coverage for its 500 plus uses of strong language and uh, there's uh, sex scenes in there, etc. as well. 180 minutes the film is, so 45 minutes of it gone there. Finally, some good news from the industry. Frozen has become the highest grossing Disney animated feature ever. It's now taken $712 million at the box office, overtaking The Lion King. Those figures, of course, not adjusted for history, so we can't compare it to uh, Snow White and uh, the classics of Bambi and Dumbo, etc. from the, uh, the 40s and 50s. It also explains why there are so many animated features aimed at children being produced by the major studios at the moment. 
Okay, to our main interview, and I'm delighted to say I'm joined by our assistant director here at the BBFC, Dave Austin, who's been a busy bee doing the radio and TV interviews. I can see you looking a little bit drawn in the face, but you're not over yet. This is the most important interview, you realise that. I don't care. I if know, you, I know it's the most important, you James. Did 23 yeah. yesterday. This is the important one. So the new guidelines are out, Dave, and I suppose the first question is that might pop into people's heads is why have you gone down this? Why do you need to change the guidelines now? Well, we have been um, consulting the public about our classification guidelines since 1999. It's very important for us that our decisions reflect public opinion and when people go to the cinema or watch a film on, on video or online, that they're not surprised by the rating think, hang on, this doesn't seem right. It's important that our ratings reflect what the public expects. So since 1999, we've been going out every four years or so and asking around 10,000 people across uh, the the whole of the UK what do they think of classification how useful do they find it and what use do they make of classification um, and are we getting it right and would they like to see any changes and if you go back to 1999 and compare what the public told us then with what they told us in 2013 for this new set of guidelines you can see some quite clear differences so you know, attitudes of society and the public have changed over 15 years. Um, if you look at how they've changed between 2009 and now, um, the changes are much more subtle. Uh, okay. But So we can see the evolution of attitudes of society change over a period of time and we reflect those changes. Okay, so before we delve into the, the detail of the guidelines, tell me what were the key things that the public told you this time around? Well the first thing they told us really, which was quite reassuring, is that they value what we do and they use our classifications so for example 89% of recent film viewers said that they value ratings 95% of parents uh, usually check the ratings before um, watching a film with their 95%, children. 95% 95% of parents I mean for engagement figures which I believe is what people call it these days that's very very high for anything it is high I mean parents really are our main our main target audience because one of our key roles is the protection of children and making sure they're not exposed to inappropriate or even harmful content. So parents are a, a key group that we want to reach. I mean, single people living on their own, they're less, they're less interested in classification ratings and they use them less often, which is perfectly normal. Mm. What we found quite interesting in this um, guidelines research is for the first time we interviewed 13 to 18 year olds. So we got the views of over a thousand teenagers and it may be surprising that over three quarters of them value the classifications mm. of, of films. You might think that you know, teens would be frustrated by um, not being able to access films that we've rated 18 and suppose they're 16. Well, that, that is true, but despite that, they still, they still value them. And they, they, teens use the classification system in quite a mature way. Now, there are some, like I was when I was a teenager, for example, that seek out forbidden fruits. And you know, if something's an 18, then you... Mrs. Austin must have been very disappointed. <laughs> Uh, of course, it was before I met Mrs. Austin. I, I was do this. talking about your mum. Uh, oh, my mum had no clue, um, which is another thing coming out of these guidelines as well. But anyway, um, <laughs> well, yeah, so some, some teens will seek out forbidden fruit. That's, you know, that's inevitable. It's the nature of, of, of the beast, in a, in a sense. But other teens don't, and they use the classification system in, in, in different ways to protect themselves from inappropriate content. So, for example, we know from our own, not just from this research, but from our own regular dialogue with teens, because we go into schools every, every week mm. and have a pretty much a permanent dialogue with them. We know that, for example, um, mostly girls, but not exclusively girls, um, will avoid uh, 18 rated horror films because yeah. they fear that the, the content in that film they will find very difficult and challenging. So they use the classification system to avoid content that, that could disturb them. And teens 
um, both boys and girls are very uh, conscientious about protecting their younger siblings and they use the classification system to prevent their younger siblings accessing content that um, mm. you know, is, is rated above their I, age. And I certainly think from my experience being in schools that you, you certainly do get that level of engagement. In fact, I would go even further and say that this generation are far more comfortable with classification than my generation were. I think we were a little bit more questioning about the need for censorship and there was always a bit of a debate. I can remember very hot debates about this at school. Whereas this generation kind of see it in the landscape as part of the way that they've grown up and uh, I think have adopted it. Well, I think one of the differences, and I think you, you may well be right, I, 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 I couldn't say definitively, but I think one of the differences is that back when you and I were teens, there was no public consultation. The BBFC mm. did not do any of this work to find out what the public thought. Now we do. We very much um, follow public opinion. And so you'd expect the public to be more confident than, than ever in what, in what we do. Yep. Okay, well, let's uh, get on to the guidelines themselves. So you've got a high engagement level with parents. You know that they're being used and they're useful. So what in terms of the subject areas uh, and the key key areas have you changed in these guidelines? Um, before I come on to, to answer that specific question, I'd just like to sort of pick up a couple of other things. So we looked at some key stats, um, but we all, in addition to the sort of qualitative, quantitative part of the research, we, we um, ran a number of focus groups. So there were 32 focus groups across the UK. And some conclusions from that are quite interesting and, you know, drilling underneath the statistics. One of the key concerns for parents of teenagers is, is what the researchers called normalisation. And by that, what, what they mean is that parents are concerned about vulnerable adolescents accessing uh, film and video content which uh, presents behaviour that they as parents think is undesirable and inappropriate as normal behavior mm. and and the sort of behavior that parents have said they're particularly concerned about includes things like self-harm um, suicide um, premature access to sexual content and drug misuse that kind of content um, and the sexualization issue is quite interesting because we looked at um, well, parents spontaneously told us actually about how concerned they were about the sexualization of, of, of uh, younger girls in particular and the findings that we found in, in this research very much echoes what people like Reg Bailey found in his research in 2011 that Mumsnet found in relation to sexual content in music videos. So there's been a lot of research in around this area over the past three or four years and our research findings basically are the same as what other people found. So these areas parents have asked us to pay particular attention to we we already do we already yeah. do but there may be a, a difference in relation to um music videos there may be some changes and developments there which we can touch on a bit later and before we go uh, any further on into guidelines i can i can hear people thinking all very well for the dvd blu-rays and films that come before you but what reach do you have over the internet which is probably the main sphere of concern when it comes to sexualization of, of young girls for instance in relation to music videos it's uh, it certainly is and it's 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 um children accessing um primarily uh, sexual content in music videos uh, we um are working uh, in partnership with the record labels at the moment to design a pilot project for age rating music videos now we already started we've been classifying music videos for many years on on dvd um, but now, as more of them are becoming available only online, we, we, we noticed um, in the second half of 2013 that we were starting to get 
reasonable numbers of, of um, online music videos being submitted to us for voluntary classification. So this is a case of a record label starting to send this kind of content to us. And last year we classified a, you know, a, a fair number of, of music videos for purely online distribution from artists such as Lady Gaga, Rihanna, uh, my personal favourite Metallica, mm. um, even Gary Barlow and Girls Aloud, Robbie Williams, Brian Adams. So artists from you know, all over the world um, and we were classifying their music videos. So it's already started. But coming back to this pilot project, this will be more systematic. And we, um, we're presently um, engaged in discussions with record labels about the design of this project, which we hope to launch um, in partnership with the BPI, which represents the record labels pretty soon. And I guess if you're working at that level, you're working at the sort of production level of the video, so that thought goes into it at that stage, right, and which will then cover wherever it's distributed and however it's distributed. Well, that, that's possible. I mean, this is just a pilot, and we'll see how the pilot goes, and then at the end of the pilot, we will sit down with the record labels, and possibly with government as well, because government is, 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 is very supportive of this, yeah. of this project, just to, you know, to draw conclusions as to how it went and where we take it from there. Okay. Right, some headlines then from the uh, guy. Okay, so what's changing? Um, you mentioned that I did. I've done quite a lot of press. One of the things, the, one of the things that they asked me about quite a lot was was language, because mm. um, that's possibly the, the the biggest single change. I mean, the changes, as, as I said, were quite subtle between two thousand and nine and now. And what the public told us um, is essentially is that they'd like us to be stricter with language at the most junior categories, and more flexible and perhaps more lenient with language at the higher categories. So one of the films we asked um, households across the UK to watch as part of this research was um, a film called Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists, which is an Aardman film, you know, the people that created Wallace and Gromit. And we classified the film You, and there are a couple of um, fairly mild but choice words used in the film once on each occasion, which, am I allowed to say them in you the podcast? Can, you can, okay. well, they're PG, well, it's you. Well, they, they were classified you, they were classified you, <laughs> yeah. and the, the words were um, used in a comic content context, arse and crap, mm. and we asked parents whether they thought this was okay at you, and they came back to us and said, mm, you know what, we'd rather our four-year-olds didn't hear this mm. kind of language. We think uh, we would prefer it if you would pass that kind of language at PG, which is suitable for eight-year-olds year, eight and over. So we've amended the guidelines, and in future that kind of language we will pass at PG. So there's an example of a film that would have been classified differently under the new guidelines from the last guidelines, probably. Uh, it's difficult. I mean, if a film came in on a, you know, a very similar film to um, Pirates with that kind of language, we will, we would, we will in future give it a PG. Yeah. Well, I should say, in defence of myself, who was on the team for Pirates and Adventure of Scientists, there was a discussion, obviously, in the room about that, um, reasonably protracted discussion about it, and. Um, as always, we're humans and we make a decision based on the context of the whole thing. In that situation, it was borderline but tipped into you, we thought, because of other circumstances. Uh, yeah, and that, else, that's yeah. still, and there's still scope for that under the new guidelines. The guidelines are de designed to be flexible. I mean, they can't cover every single eventuality um, because there's an infinite number of issues that can come to us um, in, in a film. And we have to have sufficiently flexible guidelines to enable us to deal with every conceivable issue that, that, that comes in. But that kind of language will now in future um, be classified PG because that's what the public said. So yep. we're tightening up at the, at the lower lower categories. Now at the higher categories um, we were interested in exploring attitudes to the C word Yeah, because uh, that has, has been controversial in a couple of um, films and, 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 and videos we've classified over the last um, 
four years. And um, we wanted to see, well, were we getting it right? So we, we asked the public to uh, watch two um, bits of content. The first is a Ken Loach film called The Angel Share, which we classified 18 for, I think, around 17 or 18 uses of the C word. Um, and there's a, there's a cut version as well uh, that was classified 15 with, with fewer uses of that word. Um, and we also asked the public to look at um, an episode of Kirby Enthusiasm called Beloved Ant. Now, the use of the C word in this um, uh, episode relates to Larry David's aunt who has died, and he puts an obituary in the newspaper, and there's a typo, and the word A is the, the, the word ant um, is, has an unfortunate. Um, change of spelling oh, so there's a C, there's a oh, C in, instead of an A at the beginning of the word so we asked the public asked the public to look at those two 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 bits of content and our guidelines which are about to expire at 15 say that um, the use of very strong language if it's uh, aggressive and re- and or repeated is unlikely to be acceptable at, at 15 so we classify both those works 18 because they had repeated use of the C word. Now, when we got feedback from the public this time around, they said that there is a real difference in the offensiveness that they perceive a word to be depending on the context it's used. And we take that into account already. Yeah. But we, we also count, as well as taking into account context. And what the public said in the focus groups was, we think you should pay much less attention to counting and much more attention to context. Because, for example, in the Larry David um, episode, the word is used quite a lot, but it's never used in an aggressive way, a directed way. It's never sort of aimed at a, at a, at a person. Um, it's not kind of in your face. It's just a joke. It's a, it's a typo that leads to this whole sort of series of embarrassments. And the public said, you know, that kind of use is much less offensive than perhaps a, a man screaming it in a woman's face in a very aggressive way. So um, they said in future, we think you should be uh, more flexible on how many on, on numbers in a film so um, we will be yeah and there's like you say the guideline changes are actually more subtle than perhaps they've been portrayed in yeah, some in some quarters I mean there was scope for that before and we had the Ian Drury um, uh, documentary where there were quite a few uses of the C word but again blink and you'll miss them it context was very much taken into account on that occasion but there's a little bit more scope for that type of decision in these guidelines there is there is and uh, this was an emerging finding from the focus groups but we wanted to test and get a statistically robust sample as to whether what the focus groups were telling us was actually reflected by the public more wide, more widely. So we asked 10,500 people as part of the quantitative stage of the research, based on the findings we got in the focus groups, what are the hierarchy of concerns in relation to, to language? And we gave them five options, and frequency was quite some way the least, mm. the least important. So the results of the focus groups were endorsed by the results of the quantitative research so on that basis we've um, we've adjusted the um, the guideline at 15 to allow a bit more flexibility and let me just ask on that subject about strong language at 12 because whilst people do take context into account I imagine the public will see those arguments and come up with them for us in terms of not frequency and context probably less sympathy at 12 for strong language we have um, under the present guidelines and the previous guidelines allowed uh, the infrequent use of the F word but we haven't allowed other words which I don't know if I'm allowed to say them on the Can you spell them out? Like MF? Okay, MF is one of them and CS yes. C sucker okay. is another one 
Um, and there are a couple of films that we've classified of, since the last guidelines, which have gone to 15 for a single use of each word. One of them was Eat, Pray, Love, yeah. which is essentially a PG film, but had that one use of MF, which went so the film went to 15. And the other one was um, the Clint Eastwood biopic of uh, J. Edgar, oh, yeah. J. Edgar Hoover. And there was a single use of the CS word, which again took the film up to 15. And we showed those sequences to the focus groups, and they said... Um, in the context in which they were using those films, they would be happy to accept those words at 12. Not PG, but at 12. And the, in, in, interesting, they were, they were not aggressively directed in either case. Um, the the um, J. Edgar sequence certainly was talking about a, a historical character who wasn't in the room, and it was kind of matter, delivered in a fairly matter-of-fact way. And also the public said, well, they're, they're kind of Americanisms, um, and they were slightly less concerned that this was, you you know, U.S. swearing and less less prevalent in the in the U.K. And putting all those things together, they felt that occasionally, not the norm, but occasionally in certain tightly defined contexts, those words may be acceptable at twelve. Okay. That's not saying the floodgates are going to open to that language because they're not. But there may be occasional times when they're acceptable some at 12. some wiggle room where they think there's yeah. going to be public sympathy for making that decision. Yeah. Okay, so 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 language is one issue. I, I just want to, finally, are we going to? Uh, we're still counting language. I mean, from an examiner's point of view, it's still important to note that frequency. It's just in the deliberations that follow. Yes, it's important to note the frequency, unless it's a case like um, there's been a lot of press about uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, which someone actually counted. Five hundred and four was it? Well, I don't know, but it wasn't anyone in this building because we would have given up after about two hundred. Yeah. I imagine. <laughs> um, and the eighteen was already established for that film yes. for other reasons. Um, but yes, we will we will continue to count because it's still it's still relevant, but not we still need to put weight on it, but not as much weight as we have been doing until now. I mean, one one of the ironies about language is that um, it's one thing that until this set of guidelines hadn't changed at all. You know, the public attitude towards certain different types of content had changed um, you know, in some in some respects a fair bit, but language just hadn't changed at all. Pub the public's attitude to language, but it has this time. Um, and um, you know, I, I don't want us to, to get sort of hung up on language. Um, there were, in, in terms of the hierarchy of concerns, it's not at the top, but it's just it's okay. probably the thing that's changed the most. Yeah. Okay. So there are a few headlines around that, and let's look at Black Swan, another yeah. one I was on the team for that was a second team that was a, yeah. a, a borderline. Black Swan is a very interesting case. It was the most complained about film in 2011. We had 40 complaints, which for us is a lot, um, and um, the complaints. Um, dealt in, in many of the complaints up with self-harm and the depiction of self-harm in the film and I think one of the issues about Black Swan was the marketing of the film um, many of the complainers to the BBFC were mums who took their <laughs> taken their daughters to see a nice film about ballet yeah. with that nice Natalie Portman out of Star Wars <laughs> and what could possibly go wrong well quite a lot as it turns out um, what they got is a sort of psychological horror film in many respects about the mental breakdown of a young woman and she does um, there are scenes of self-harm in the film and I think people were confounded this wasn't what they were expecting and they sort of looked around and said well what this was not what I paid my you know 10 pounds to go and see um, the rating must be wrong so we did get 40 complaints so because we got so many we decided it was one of the films we put out to ask people's view of the film 
and certainly in the focus groups people did focus on self-harm as an issue but by and large that they felt like you it was, it was perhaps a borderline case 1518 so um, we also put it out as the quant- uh, to the quantitative research okay and we asked again 10,000 10 and a half thousand people whether they'd seen it and if they had seen it did did they th- what did they think to the 15 rating and so this film was 2011 so th- two years on after sort of the, the issues over marketing had died down we found that 98% of recent film viewers thought the, the 15 classification was correct um, 92% of website users thought the classification was correct our website users and our recent film viewers tend to have tended to be different um, our website users are our biggest fans but our biggest critics so yeah. um, <laughs> their, their rates of agreement tend to be uh, upper 80s and lower 90s rather than the public as a whole which tends to have a higher higher approval rating for individual film 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 classifications so um i would say we got that one spot on 98 yeah. percent is quite a high approval rating yeah and again this is not one that went straight through there was a second team and a discussion yes, and a was, director um, involvement indeed and, um, indeed um, when we get when we get those borderline films particularly if they're dealing with issues like self-harm uh, we do give uh, a gr- you know we do give the film great scrutiny before we, uh, we give a classification. Um, let's try and get through a couple of these other issues before we wrap up. Um, when will we begin age rating music videos and DVD and online? I know you've talked about this scheme of BPI. Yes. So when's this all going to start happening? For well, parents? I mean, we as I said, we have already started age rating music videos for online distribution. Um, we, we we're working with the record labels at the moment, and we hope to launch the the, the pilot with them very soon. Um, on on DVD, the government is consulting on draft legislation, which would lower the threshold at which exempt uh, music DVDs and other DVDs lose their exemption. And essentially, um, the government's draft legislation recommends that, con- con- in, in shorthand, just putting it really, really simplifying it, if we would rate something 12 or above, then it loses its exemption from classification. So content that at the moment is being freely supplied to um, anyone in um, your local HMV or on Amazon is going to be age restricted to prevent things like strong violence, depictions of self-harm, racist content, uh, not just in music videos but across the, 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 the board. That kind of content will now be regulated by us under this new legislation. Okay, thank you. For the spring. Spring, the spring. Okay, okay. Two other quick areas. Um, there was quite a lot of publicity on horror. It was the horror fans saying, oh, no, they're going to start doing something to horror. And I looked at the changing guidelines and saw that actually it was kind of building on where we'd been before, which was taking more account of threat and sustained exactly. suspense exactly. rather than any big change, as far as I could see. Yeah, exactly. I think there was some misunderstanding about uh, depiction of gore. Um, and we did we did actually consult the public quite heavily on the issues of, 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 of gore, um, in in kind of horror films and gore in sort of medical films, medical dramas, and this research is all published on our website. So please, you know, listeners should go and ha- have a look at the research in full. It's 160 pages long, but it is quite a you know a, a good read. There's some very very some good, good data out there, yeah, isn't there and, and good data as well. Drilling so. down into. Um, so we did look at gore, and the public were generally pretty happy with where we were on gore. So there's going to be no real change to how we classify gore but what did um, impact on the public at, and we're looking really at sort of 12 at the 12 level uh, uh, horror films that really play on people's primal fears like fear of loss and loss of children in particular so films like The Woman in Black were singled out as you know quite you know playing on these playing on these fears and fear of the dark and fe- feelings of helplessness 
what people consider about are themes in films that make them lie awake at night thinking you know, about their own lives. And Cl- like, you know, closer to home, yeah, exactly. house invasion, what, that type of thing. Which is yeah. what good horror films are, yeah. are supposed to do. So um, we are going to place even more emphasis on the tone and the impact and the theme of horror at that 12A15. Which directly reflects you know, the public uh, concern yeah. in that area. Okay, but that isn't to say, we should always make the point that, you know, at 18, there's we've set out in our guidelines about the freedom to choose and so exactly. on for individuals. So, you know, your hardcore horror fans, there's no... Aren't going to lose out no, at all. Nothing, there's, uh, there's no real change. I mean, there, was, there were other areas where the public said, you know what, you, you really you don't need to change your guidelines and things like uh, violence which is a, a real concern for the public they, they thought we'd, we were classifying violence as, as, as they want us to um, discrimination rate and racism and other forms of discrimination that we're in the right place as far as the public's concerned so um, drug misuse is another area so there are areas um, and you can see see all these in in the research report where the public's not asking us to change at all Okay, Dave, finally, I know you did some more work on 12A. I mean, it's t- I was surprised, actually, 12 years old, 12A. It is 12 years old, Nonetheless, yes. there's still, still some findings that's not quite got into people's yes. psyche yet. What we mean by 12A is that this film is not generally suitable for, for under-12s. However, we understand that children develop at different rates, and the best people to judge how mature their child is are parents. And so... Um, we created the 12A 12 years ago, having consulted parents. And to help parents decide whether a particular 12A film is suitable for their child or children that are below the age of 12, we've published something called Insight, which you can find on our free app and our website, which gives in two or three paragraphs pretty much all the detail you would need to know about the classification issues of a film. And it includes, and one of the things that parents ask us to do is, is to list each bad each swear word um, as part of that insight. So we do that. So insight's been evolving as, as in response to parents' uh, concerns. And we're actually going to make some changes um, to insight as a result of this guidelines consultation. Because although parents, when they looked at insights, thought this was great and really helpful, they felt it wasn't that easy to read on a um, mobile phone because it's okay. prose text and they would rather it was broken up into easier to read chunks so we're going to make those changes uh, we will be um, doing some publicity in partnership with well we hope in partnership with the film industry this year to promote awareness of the 12a yeah. rating still further great okay dave i know it's been a long haul uh, to get to publication of these guidelines and the process we're only a couple of ways years away from it starting again I know. So. can you believe we, we actually sent out stimulus materials to families um, households across the UK in December 2012 yeah, and it's now January 2014 when we actually get the final results. But here you are and I know they've been been well worked on and uh, it's a good a good document to work from. We will explore that of course over the uh, the months to come. Dave, that would be good. thank you very much indeed for joining us. Thanks James. Well Dave Austin talking to me just a few moments ago. Still plenty of press coverage every day about the new guidelines. You can of course see your copy of them online at bbfc.co.uk they come into force next month uh, we're going to delve deeper into the new guidelines obviously over the next few editions of the podcast as we go through the subjects of sex and violence and language and see um, uh, how they've been adjusted how the new changes will bed in but as dave says this is not a really huge rehashing of the guidelines for instance that happened back in 05 nonetheless there's a period of uh, of change now in the way that classification takes place and we'll be following that closely 
Okay, thank you very much indeed for listening to the BBFC podcast. You can email us. We'd love to hear from you, podcast at bbfc.co.uk. My thanks to our editor, Catherine Anderson, my guest, Dave Austin. We'll see you next time. Bye.